Hi everyone, welcome to episode 54 of the Book Cougars, two middle-aged women on the hunt for a good read. I'm Emily. And I'm Chris. Hello. Hello. Here we are. It's a, a little bit tropical in Guilford today, but not as tropical as it has been all of the July 4th week. It's yeah. Been quite warm. It has been. Really toasty. We had some rain that kind of took the edge off, but now it just feels really humid and tropical. Right. Yeah. But, but the temperature's lower. Yes. <laughs> we can breathe again. Right. So I just wanted to give a quick thing. In the last episode, episode 53, I mentioned Hawthorne's novel, The Blythdale Romance. And in connection with Louisa May Alcott conversation, and I just wanted to clarify that Hawthorne, I, I misspoke a little bit, Hawthorne was writing about a community called Brook Farm, and Alcott's was Fruitlands. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So just wanted to clarify that in case anybody's like, what is she talking about? Or if we've got any fact checkers wrong. out there. Yes. <laughs> anyway. Great. Well, I, before we get into our segments, I had a couple things to talk about, too. I wanted to just mention one of the things that I became aware of when we were at Book Expo was the Libby app, mm-hmm. which is the new library app. For those of you who do your get your ebooks and your audiobooks from the library, for years I've been using Overdrive Media, and they still have that available, but they're, I guess, what should we say, transitioning yeah, to the Libby pointing app. pointing people towards Libby. Yeah, which is L-I-B-B-Y. You can find it, you know, on any sort of device. And I did download it just because I wanted to start using it and see what it was like. It does look different. So you've got that whole, like, you know, update slash new thing to figure out. But it's it's the same in principle. You put in your library card and password, and then you can access libraries. If you have multiple libraries, like I do, which is one of the things they talked to me about at Book Expo, it's a little bit more seamless now. You don't have to toggle back and forth between libraries, which is kind of nice. Yeah, it's a little bit more streamlined looking, yeah. a little more elegant. Yeah. So, check it out. Even though it has a cutesy name, right? It does have a kind of a different... It's, it's interesting. I mean, I wonder if they're trying to go kind of like how... People have, you know, Apple has Siri and, you know, they're the different kind of helper names for yeah. doing things. I don't know. But maybe that maybe some librarians out there know why they named it Libby. And if you do, feel free to send us an email. And then I also wanted to talk about something that we did mention on social media, but we never mentioned it on the podcast, which is the Center for Fiction in New York has the every year since I think like 2006, 2007, they have um, a fiction first novel prize and they released the long list several weeks ago and I know we put it out on social media but we didn't mention it it's a very long list so I'm not gonna say all of the books we will let you know when they announce the winner which is Mm -hmm. in September but I am going to put a link to the show in the show notes because talk about a fantastic reading list if you want to build your reading list and there are some we we have talked about on the podcast like a place for us that I talked about on the last episode there there those are the two that I recognize that we've talked about. I did want to just call out one, which is Sadness is a White Bird by Moriel Rothman Zucker. The reason I want to mention that is because he is a, this is, a, of course, his debut novel because these are first novels. He's a young man that I watched grow up. That's excellent. He was a friend of my kids. So I have sadly not a chance <laughs> to read the book, which is terrible, but it is on my TBR so again, it's it's a list of, you know, what, probably 20 books. So we'll put a link in the show notes and um, yeah. it could be your reading list for the next year if you so choose. Yeah. <laughs> I love debut fiction. Me too. Fun. Yeah. yeah. There's usually so much energy in it. And... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, I wonder how many books they whittle it down from, you know, to get to this long list because right. obviously there's a lot of debut fiction every year. Yeah. And then the other award is the... Booker, the 50th, the golden anniversary Booker, which is going to be announced, I think, next week. Oh, cool. More to come. Episode 55. And we have our March read-along, which we will discuss in episode 55. Yeah, March the novel. (laughs) Yes, March. (laughs) Yeah, we'll be discussing our March 2018. No, just kidding. Yeah, March. Um, Geraldine Brooks, her novel of the Civil War using the the fictional character of Mr. Alc... Well, Mr. March from Louisa May Alcott's Little Women. Right. This is book two in our Summer of Little Women right. celebration. So if you care to join along with us and have any questions or comments, please have that to us by July 19th. Bookcougars at gmail.com. 
social media, whichever floats yeah, your Yeah, whatever you want to do. We'd love to incorporate people's comments and questions. Yes. And talking about comments and questions, we had quite an outpouring of affection for the Poisonwood Bible. Yes. We mentioned Barbara Kingsolver. Yes. <laughs> People were shocked and dismayed that we neither of us have read it. There might be a reading of that in our future. And just so much encouragement to read it that they would love it. I know our listener Sue was like, it's in her top five yeah. books of all time. And she's a heavy reader. Yeah. So for that to be in a top five of somebody who reads as voraciously as she does, it's, a, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty big, glowing. Right. Read me. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And the funny thing is, I know I mentioned in the last episode that I had absconded with my daughter's copy because I had never read it. And when she was unpacking my bookshelf when I moved here, I heard a scream from the other room, you know, Mom, you have my copy. And so I, and when we were talking about it, I'm looking on my shelf, I don't see it. I'm like, oh, she must have taken it. Well, it just so happens my friend was visiting my daughter last week and told the story because she had just been listening to the podcast. And Rachel said, I don't have the copy. So (laughs) now I think Jacob, my son Jacob must have absconded with it when he packed up his books when he moved earlier this year. So I don't have a copy. I'm going to have to get a copy. Yeah, I looked at the library and it wasn't on the shelf because I just wanted to see because I know it's like a million pages long. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll talk about it more in the future, probably. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. All right. So what are you currently reading? I am currently reading the, a book called The Girl Who Smiled Beads. It has a really oh, cool, cool cover. A Story of War and What Comes After by Clementine Wamaria and Elizabeth Wheel. And um, it just came out in April of 2018. I'm pretty sure this is a book I picked up at last Book Expo. Mm-hmm. Is that possible? Maybe it, it I got possible. it at this yeah. Book Expo. I honestly don't remember. I just was looking for a new book yesterday and found it sitting on my shelf. And I started it and quickly was engrossed. It's a memoir of a young woman who fled the Rwandan genocide mm. with her little sister. Or older sister, I'm sorry, I think. I don't know much more about it. But that, more to come, because I only got about 20 pages in last night. But I'm looking forward to, to reading it. The Girl Who Smiled Beads by Clementine Wamaria. Well, I'm reading One of Ours by Willa Cather. Ooh. Her 1922 novel that won the Pulitzer about World War... Well, it's her considered her World War One novel. It's about a young guy named Claude. And I'm enjoying it. I've read it a couple times. It's kind of like currently my favorite Cather novel. I know I've talked about that back. Yeah, I've read all of her novels. And over the years, some become more close to my heart. And others are like, I like it. But, you know, it's not the one that I think about the most. Um, I'm enjoying it. I just started it again last night. And I'm because I'm reading it for the Willa Cather Book Book Club. Right. This meeting later this month. Which is the novel, the Willa Cather novel that you've read the most times? Do you know? Uh, it could be either My Antonia or The Song of the Lark. Okay. Because I wrote a lot of papers about both of those novels back in the day. Okay. Yeah. So this isn't one that ranks yeah. up in the most read. And, and, and O Pioneers as well. I read a lot. And that was the first novel of hers that I read was O Pioneers. So that one will always have a special place in my heart. But one of ours, I've probably read it now, like, I don't know, four or five times. Okay. Probably. Yeah. Cool. I first read it because, you know, I've been stringing, well, I was stringing out the Willa Cather novels because, I do, you know, you read them all at once. And if it's somebody who's a dead author, that's it. You're done. Right. So, yeah. um, but I did, I think I read it the first time when I had a World War One book club with a friend um, that I worked with. The two of us would get together and read okay. different World War One works because we both realized through talking one day that both of our grandfathers had fought in World War One. His grandfather was in England, and my grandfather was in Germany. My mom's dad. Wow. Yeah. So it was kind of an interesting way. We both, I don't know, we both felt like we became closer to our grandfathers in a way and then also to each other. Yeah. So, yeah. Through yeah. reading. That's yeah, through reading. Cool. So yeah. one of ours by Willa Cather. That, that's all I'm reading right now. Do you have anything else going? No. Okay. What did you just read? I have just read a couple different things. I, I'll talk about... How about you? Do you want to go back and forth, or should I just tell you all three? Go ahead. You go for it. Okay. So the first thing I read was a novel that I picked up 
at Book Expo this year. It's Hope Never Dies by Andrew Schaefer. It's from Quirk Books. It's a book that's coming out July 10th, which is the day that this episode will air. So you'll be able to get your hands on a copy or if you're interested. It is an Obama-Biden mystery. The cover is hilarious. The cover is totally hilarious. It's a picture of Joe Biden driving an old Firebird, you know, with the T-roof. And Obama is standing up in the front seat, like, pointing. And his tie (laughs) is flopping in the background. Um, So I love the cover so much. It totally made me literally LOL when when I first saw it. And it was a hot book at Book Expo. Yes, I remember you were very excited to get your hands on it. I was very excited. It's a fun novel. And the mystery, so it's a mystery novel with... Obama and Biden as the amateur sleuths, which is really kind of funny. Uh, the the mystery itself isn't a political mystery. I, I mean, I know, yeah, some people say you could get really down into the weeds and say the personal is political, of course, you know, but it's not like it's, you know, they're having a political intrigue or anything. What happens is, uh, I guess Joe Biden was always taking Amtrak yes. back in the day. So yeah. Amtrak Joe is his nickname. One of his favorite conductors is found dead, <laughs> apparently getting hit by a train. Ooh. But there's more to it than that. He wasn't maybe not hit by a train. So they're investigating that. In the beginning, it opens with, you don't really know who the narrator is. And this is a slight spoiler. So it's somebody who's lamenting uh, Barack Obama having new friends and going off and doing all these exciting things. <laughs> with all of these new friends. Um, so is he the parasailing? No, this okay. is it. The, okay. They're they're done. This okay. is the, the, the phase when Obama was doing all like the parasailing okay. with um God, what's the guy from Virgin Airlines? Yeah, um, I know. Oh God, I can't think of his name. Yeah. And he's just doing all of these different, you know, kayaking with Trudeau up in Canada or somewhere in the northern woods. But it's a fun mystery. It pokes fun at a lot of political people. And some ideas, and there are a lot of campaign slogans that are embedded oh, in some hilarious. of the language. It, it would probably appeal more to progressives and liberals than, I would think, conservatives and right-wingers, probably. Because, you know, it's celebrating these two as being the heroes, right? Right, right. But everybody gets a little knock in it, for the most part. So there's this one scene when they're they're chasing a motorcycle, and I'll just read it as an example of a, a little swipe. The motorcycle whipped around a mid-sized sedan with Vermont plates, and I did the same, keeping pace. As we passed the sedan, I caught glimpse of a small tuft of white hair poking out above the bottom of the window. The driver's head was so low it was a miracle he could see. A pair of bony hands clutched from the steering wheel like Halloween decorations. Everybody wave to Bernie, I said. (laughs) Nobody laughed at my joke. So... So that was obviously Bernie Sanders. Um, So yeah, Biden is the narrator. And in the beginning, he's pining for his bromance with Obama. And so it's about their friendship, them solving this mystery. And there you have it. It's a fun book. Get it if you need it. If you miss Obama and Biden, you'll want to pick it up and read it. Yeah. So again, the title is Hope Never Dies by Andrew Schaefer. Should I go? Go for it. I finished Providence by Carolyn Kepnes. This was a book that Michael Kindness had given to us as an ARC, but it did go on sale June 19th, so it is available for you to enjoy. It was a really fun, fast-paced novel. I think when I talked about it in the last episode, I wasn't sure because it's a little bit out of my wheelhouse. It's not really sci-fi. I thought mm-hmm. it was sci-fi, okay. but it's more just you have to suspend. It's one of those time things you know where someone disappears and then comes back and is gone for a period of time but that period of time really did elapse so it's not like they went back in time or into the future or anything like that which is what I thought when I first started reading it all right so it is about teenagers in high school and one of them gets knocked upside the head by an old substitute teacher that happens right away so it's not a spoiler and gets put into the basement of a mall or some empty retail shop at a mall and kind of gets, I'm not sure if brainwashed is the right word, but gets, no, it's not, that's not the right word. He's given some characteristics that affect him in moving forward in the future. That's probably the best way to say it. And it's a little bit about, you know, people are obviously searching for him, his parents, and one of his best friends who was a young woman who they were kind of in love with each other as 
young love is, not as older love is. And so <laughs> they pine for each other. And then when he comes back because of these new powers that he has, I guess is the best way to say it, he can't really come into contact with people because things happen, which I'm not going to say because that would be a spoiler. So in a certain way, I thought about when I was done reading it, it was a little bit of of an old-fashioned love story in the unrequited love okay. sort of idea. Okay. But in present day. All right. So that's one of the takeaways I had of it. Um, there's a little bit of a thread of bullying, you know, and how kids interact with each other and things like that. I really liked it. I mean, I just tore through it. I highly recommend it. It's also, she is, I believe, a television writer or some such. And so it also read like, oh, I could totally see this as, you know, a TV show or a movie or serialized show or something like mm-hmm. fast-paced. Providence by Carolyn Kepnes. I've been seeing lots of great things about that. Yeah. 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 Lots of good reviews and everything. Yeah. Um, I also picked up, you know, after reading Little Women, I just wanted something short Mm -hmm. still. Because I think I read Hope Never Dies first, but I still was looking for something short. And I was at the library and on display was a copy of Mary Beard's Women in Power, a manifesto. Mm. It came out just, I think in November 2017, it came out. And it's very short, and, and it's based on two lectures that she gave. Uh, Mary Beard is a professor of classics at Cambridge, and she does a lot of TV, radio. Um, she's big on social media. She's one of the women who's chronically attacked on Twitter for being a, a woman with a brain. And mm-hmm. um, she gets lectured on Roman history when like, she's like one of the world's most... <laughs> Revered, revered scholars, scholars yeah. of the subject. Yeah. So this is two speeches that she gave about women, women in power. And she goes back to Greek and Roman literature and plays and, and other writings and looks at how women were treated. And one of the common themes is, of course, women being told to shut up. Mm-hmm. Shut up and sit down, like, you know, from the Odyssey and and other writings on out, to the point where women's tongues were cut off. She's looking at the Western tradition and how women have been repeatedly told to shut up and sit down, up until Elizabeth Warren and, and the treatment of Hillary. She talks about, too, with the problem with women assuming power in the Western tradition, that maybe the problem isn't so much letting women in, but how we define power. Mm. That maybe the problem is looking at what is power. Because when she talks about the increased number of women in parliament in other parts of the world, and she says she can't help but wonder if maybe that's not where power is in those countries. Hmm. When you think about that. Does she have suggestions or is she just... She doesn't really. Ideas. And that yeah. was one of the... The things that I didn't appreciate. Like, Mm -hmm. I I kind of felt like as a 52-year-old woman who's read a lot about Western traditions and and women and what women have faced, that it was an introduction for people who maybe don't know much about that tradition. Hmm. Well, and also, I mean, I think academics have a tendency, I don't want to offend any academics, but to just make us think about things but not necessarily deliver answers right right yeah i mean her main thing is to say it it is saying let's look at the how we define power and right but the thing is like who defines power Hmm. it's tricky and it was a a short read i didn't bring it with me for some reason Hmm. i have all my books stacked right here because i did mark a couple things as potential things to read Hmm. Um, but it is again it's a short thing it's women in power by mary beard and she doesn't offer any solutions but just a couple questions on where we can start thinking about things differently which maybe the point then is for us to have conversations with each other so maybe it would be nice to read it with some other people it might be and and one of the things she does mention in there about bullying that so often with social media people are told to ignore it Mm -hmm. just ignore Mm -hmm. it but she's like that's what women have been told for 2,000 years and nothing has changed. Right. So she doesn't necessarily advise you to <laughs> inter- engage in that kind of way, but it made me think of two women who I admire on how they handled their trolls on Twitter, specifically it's Roxanne Gay That's and Chelsea funny. Clinton. Mm-hmm. Like they both get so many hate tweets, mm-hmm. but they share them with really great commentary yeah. sometimes. 
sometimes directed back at the person, I, turning it around and just, and I just kind of feel like that's the thing, right? Like exposing these mm-hmm. people for the yeah. heinous things that they're saying. Yeah. And I think some of them might be bots. You don't know yeah. in this day and age, but yeah. just the internet, people think that they're invisible on yeah. the internet and they're not. Anonymity. Yeah. 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 Well, I finished They May Not Mean To, But They Do by Kathleen Sheen. This is a book I think I mentioned I'm reading for a book club. It was a, it's a family drama set in New York City. Elderly mother and father. The father is, has ill health. And then the, there's a son and a daughter in their extraneous relationships as well. It really deals with the notion of aging parents and how how sometimes you you know these the children it's like we're responsible for our aging parents but we also have our opinions as children about what's right for our parents and our parents are still grown-ups and have brains and have you know love and interest in love still yeah. and we don't necessarily understand that as their children right you know and I just thought, I mean, it's very funny, very poignant. If you're a Meg Wolitzer reader, okay. I think you'll really like her writing. And so really it just follows a course of a period of time where the father is aging. And I, the one thing I will say as a, a little trigger warning, because I've just had a year with quite a few people who've passed away. If you've recently had someone pass away, this might be a difficult book to read. Um, it might not be. It depends on where you're at with that happening. But it definitely does cross over a period of time where someone passes away. And then the reactions that people have to that, etc. Yeah, that can be really hard. Sometimes it can be comforting, and other times it's too soon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it didn't delve a lot into illness, which sometimes can be hard for me. You know, like the, the passing of time and the, you know, really going deeply into, you know, cancer or something like that. But it definitely does deal with the idea of death and grief. And then just the funny nature of siblings and how we interact with each other. And as I said, manage, I'm using air quotes, (laughs) our our elderly parents, you know. So, but there were many laughs in in it. And it's also, you know, New York centric, which I've mentioned. I always like reading books that take place in New York. Yeah. Uh, They may not mean to, but they do. Kathleen Sheen. Very interesting. That's the one with that pretty, the pretty cover. Yeah, it's cover got a thing. beautiful cover. Oh, I, I did want to read Central Park. I wanted to read. So the very first, I, I sometimes do judge a book not by its cover, which is beautiful in this case, but by the. Um, I always forget what it's called. I guess in this case, it's just like the little quote at the beginning the of epitaph. the book. Epitaph. And this one, it says, pardon, there's going to be some swearing in this one, everybody. <laughs> Sorry. But it says, they fuck you up, your mom and dad. They may not mean to, but they do. And this is by <laughs> Philip Larkin, a poem called This Be uh, the Verse. And yeah. I had never heard of Philip Larkin, yeah. who's a very famous poet. So, of course, I had to look up the poem. So, if you would indulge me. I thought I'd read the whole poem, which is not very long. Please do. Yeah, I've read that. That's yeah. It's okay. Good. Yeah. This be the verse by Philip Larkin. They fuck you up, your mum and dad. They may not mean to, but they do. They fill you with the faults they had and add some extras just for you. <laughs> but they were fucked up in their turn by fools in old style hats and coats, who half the time were soppy stern and half at one another's throats. Man hands on misery to man, it deepens like a coastal shelf. Get out as early as you can, and don't have any kids yourself. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, what's really funny about the poem is that, I mean, I think the poem's hilarious on so many levels, but it also is incorporated in, you know, at one point in the book, Yeah. the poem itself is incorporated, which I thought was great. Yeah, that's such a good poem. Yeah. I've heard a lot of people quote it and talk about it because it's that's like the nature of being a human being. Like you're, and, and a lot of people think, oh, I don't want to blame my parents, or the parents obviously feel guilt. Sure, but I think or like, offended, right? Yeah, <laughs> but I think that's it's the nature of being human. Yes, it's like we all fuck each other up and yeah. hurt each other, like intentionally, yeah. unintentionally. Yeah, and I think that's yeah, it's yeah, it's not easy being no. a kid. <laughs> Well, I think it's not easy being a parent either, but I think it's part of it is like your family of origin stuff takes place. It starts, you know, in utero. So, you know, like they say, you can hear your parents, you can hear your siblings, you know, if you're Mm -hmm. not the firstborn. And so these 
things that form us literally are in the formative years, you know, moving on through our entire life, right? So there's that aspect, whereas our friendships and our relationships by choice, I call them, you know, we may screw with each other, but we adapt and change differently to those situations, I think, because they weren't necessarily so formative in nature. Right. I am no psychologist. Well, they're this not loaded my, with right. triggered. <laughs> exactly. Trigger-worthy things. <laughs> things. That's a profound word. I love, I think I've told you this before, the com- comedian Margaret Cho has a, a sketch she does where she says, how come when you walk into your family home, all 20 years of therapy are sucked out of you like <laughs> yes. a vacuum? Yeah, you just come right back into those patterns. Yeah. When you're talking about the whole the whole thing of being a, an adult and your parents aging, um, I read a sample of a book this morning. It's uh, a new book that's out only in German. It's not out in English yet. Hannes Kohler is his name, it looks like. One Possible Life is the name of the uh, the book, the novel. And it's translated, or this translation was done by um, Katie Derbyshire, who I've come across other translations by her. But it's about a guy in Germany, an old grandfather, who's going back to Texas to the POW camp where he was held during World War II. Mm. And his grandfather, his grandson is going with him. And so you have the grandfather, the grandson, and then kind of off the page is the mother of the grandson and the daughter of the grandfather who's telling the son, take care of him, you know, pay attention to his medicine and what he eats and blah, 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 and all this stuff. And meanwhile, this young grandson has this child of his own. He has an infant daughter. And so he's sitting there on the plane thinking like, not being able to imagine his own daughter thinking about him the way she's thinking about the grandfather, you know? And it just really made me kind of laugh and just then think, obviously, about what it is like to be in those different positions. Like when you're really tiny, you think of really old people in, in different ways and Obviously, right. then from being an adult child of somebody right. who's aging, if you're fortunate enough to have parents, right? Yeah. Um, so anyway, it just made me really think about that. Cause it, and it looks like it's going to be a really good book. I, I read It's 27 pages, and we can put a link to that, but the first 27 pages have been translated. And I got sucked into the story wow. right away because I thought it was fascinating. It starts with... The grandfather is a young man, apparently during the invasion of France. He's there as a soldier and gets taken. You know, all the PT boats are coming and dropping off all the Americans, and they're taking the you know, German soldiers back the other direction mm. to POW camps and whatnot. So mm-hmm. we'll see. But entwined is the grandson's story yeah. and everything. So mm-hmm. anyway. That sounds good. Well, that's all I've read. Did you read anything else? Well, I listened to a book on audio, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, The Japanese Art of Decluttering and Organizing by Marie Kondo. I loved it. Good. I really did. I was surprised because people have mocked her and made fun of her for so long. Yeah, but people have also waxed poetic about her. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, and I I noticed after I finished it, I was doing a little research, and a lot of people have written glowing things about how it has changed their life. And I... What I liked about it is she incorporated so much of her own life story into it. Because mm-hmm. it wasn't a very long audio, yeah. like maybe five hours, six, I'm not even sure. And I know I've seen the book in bookstores. It's a pretty thin book. Mm-hmm. But I enjoyed it, and, and I'm definitely going to try her way of decluttering. Now, a lot of people who are readers objected to her ideas of how to declutter your books. How did you feel about that section? Well... My biggest beef would be that she keeps her books in the closet, oh. on a shelf in the closet. And I don't like the idea of keeping my books in the closet. I yeah. like to see my books out there. Yeah. Um, but I tell you, I've been weeding my books again, doing another call, and mm-hmm. I have two boxes that I've been planning on taking somewhere. And reading this or listening to it has really given me more strength or more permission, whatever you want to call it, to get rid of a lot more books. Oh, then it's working. I mean, I've had fewer books with each passing year Mm -hmm. because I I used to be, I used to keep every single book that I ever read or bought. Like in 1999, it was scary. And so since then, my philosophy has kind of been like, I, I have more books at home that I haven't read 
than that I have read. But I do keep certain books that I love and I know Mm -hmm. I'd like to read again or think I'll read again. And there are some of those that I will let go this time around. But there's so many other books that really, when I look at them, I feel guilt. Mm, and I feel, yeah, they have to go and and they're popular books mm-hmm. or they've been popular. And I know I'd be able to easily get my hands on yeah, them. That's different. That's yeah. different than like yeah. a, a book that is harder to find. And there are some of those books that I know that are harder to find or not easily available in English because I bought them when I was overseas or yeah. something yeah. Um, that I'll want to hold on to. But mm-hmm. I can imagine I'm going to get uh, donate a lot more books Good. than I had been planning on. Yeah. yeah. I think it's great because to me, I always feel like donating things just brings joy to somebody else. That's it does. It really does. It. Like okay. that's the thing. When I first started really thinking hard about the books, I thought, you know, somebody else can read this. And I know there is the problem of books being destroyed and whatnot, but mm-hmm. I... You know, you can't control right. that, but I like the idea of setting it free for yeah. somebody else to find and enjoy. Me too. Or yeah. needs it, you know, yeah. especially with the clothing. Mm-hmm. The clothing, she re- she recommends starting with clothing and then books and, and keeping the stuff that's really, you know, like photo albums and knickknacks that mean a lot to you to the end. Oh, you know, she's good, starting with, like you, you get practice and then you're ready to dress yeah. for things that have more of that, you know. Mm-hmm attachment to the heart right yeah that are very sentimental right yeah, yeah. so yeah. she recommends starting with clothing which you know that can be challenging too yeah so i'm gonna do it we'll see i i signed up i even signed up for her newsletter and i made an account on her web page because you can get access to her checklists on oh, the cool. order in which to do things nice so i'm gonna go to town i mean we just moved like right. four years ago and we got rid of so much. We took so many loads to the Goodwill mm-hmm. when we were moving before that I don't feel like I have as much, obviously, as I did before we moved. But it creeps up on you. Well, you reacquire. Yeah. You know, I'm noticing that, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And then I think, like, oh, my God, I brought this four years ago, and I've never worn it, mm-hmm. thinking yeah. I would. Yeah. And it's time to let that go, yeah. obviously. Again, that's The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up by Marie Kondo. Well, I went on one Biblio adventure. I went to the RJ Julia booksellers in Madison and saw Matthew Dix talk about his new book, Story Worthy, Engage, Teach, Persuade, and Change Your Life Through the Power of Storytelling. He is a pretty well-known storyteller. He's won Moth Grand Slams, and he and his wife, Alicia Dix, have a Speak Up Storytelling company where they do storytelling events all over the Hartford area. And um, it was a really fun event. He told three stories, but he stopped after each one and explained some of the art and craft of how he told the story and why he told it, which I really appreciated. And he's very funny and very self-deprecating in some cases and also just very humble and honest, you know, in others. I didn't get a copy of the book that night, mainly because... I had been, I can't remember, I did something that day and I was really tired and the line to get your book signed was so long that I decided I would just wait to buy it at another time when I could get it signed by him. Okay. But I would like to read it. I did hold a copy of it while he was talking and page through and it looks like he uses a lot of humor in Mm -hmm. it and, you know, there are very clearly delineated chapters with headings that explain the different aspects of storytelling and one of the the things that really struck me is that he he talked a lot about how it's useful for you in so many ways. It's not you don't buy this book because someday you you know your dream is to stand on a stage and tell a story. It might be that, you know, but that's not the point of this book right. at all. Yeah. The point is to help you be able to be at the Thanksgiving dinner table and tell your cousin sitting next to you a story and not bore them to tears you know and right, yeah. be able to glean what the important parts of telling the story are and you know things mm-hmm. like that and also just to make you more comfortable with speaking in public or at work on the job you know whatever right. it is well i would think too it would come in handy making the argument about why you deserve a raise yes being able to really get the points across yeah. effectively and yeah or tell the story yeah. of what you did to increase sales at whatever quarter you know yeah. i could see yeah. that right yeah because he he talks about well i've seen him at a couple different events and he teaches classes as well right which i around like the take. area yeah and he talks about reading a room mm. and changing stories 
as he's telling it based on the reaction in the room. And you think, wow, that is somebody who has a lot of experience yeah. and a lot of comfort and can take the chance, too, to experiment on the fly like that. Yeah. It's, I think, a well, real talent. And, and obviously, Master can do that. Yeah. Well, and I will say he's also, his day job is he's a third grade teacher. And I'll tell you, that's a performance every day. Yeah. Any of you who know teachers or are teachers, you know, to engage a room full of children well, yeah. every day. <laughs> I was going to say, if you're the good, the good teachers, right? Right, I exactly. I remember my third grade teacher, and she was awful. Oh, really? Oh, my God. Oh, that's so funny. She would sit in her chair, and she would fart. <laughs> and she would actually say, oh, the geese are flying low today. <laughs> And that's, that's the quality of my third grade education right there. Oh, my God. Well, you turned out okay, Chris, I'm here to say. Yeah, I would think Matthew's classroom is much more stimulating oh and God. engaging. <laughs> no pun intended. Oh, my. What about you? Did oh you go gosh. on any adventures? You know, I went to the Beinecke Library one day in New Haven. I mainly went to see the Declaration of Independence. They have one of the 200 of the, I think it's 26 known existing copies that were printed on July 4th, 1776 to get the word out to the public. Oh, wow. So people, in this copy that they have, it was folded down and you could still see the creases, but it's in great shape. Mm. They have that on display every year and I, I went last year and so I wanted to go this year and while I was standing there looking at it and reading it, a guy came up and we were talking and he comes every year oh, to look so at it. So I was like, oh my God, I chewed it. Well, this is my second year anyway right. doing it. And then next to that, they had information, uh, pictures actually, da- daguerreotypes of Frederick Douglass and his oration that he gave in 1854 maybe. I don't have that information right in front of me. Um, because yesterday then, July 5th, they do a reading of the Declaration of Independence and also of Frederick Douglass's oration. And that oration is what now is known as, uh, to the slave, what is the 4th of July? okay. He was asked to deliver the speech, and he starts off with some very direct kind of sarcasm, like, you're asking me to deliver a speech about the import, you know, the 4th of July, what does it mean to be a slave? yeah. So, uh, him when you, mean, and, when you say they do a reading, you mean they do a reading aloud at the Beinecke? Yeah, at the okay, Beinecke, gotcha. the day after gotcha. the 4th of July. Okay. Yeah, so they did that. And then they also had a or 1825 uh, first printing of William Grimes's account of being a runaway slave. So those are very cool to see. Yeah. And then I looked around the latest exhibit, which is a textile-based type oh, exhibit. Cool. So there are a lot of fantastic artifacts and books. And one of the coolest things was a vest that Alice B. Toklas made for Gertrude Stein. Oh, wow. They have this beautiful little vest, and she was so teeny tiny. Wow. And I just think of Gertrude Stein as being so big, you know, yeah. such a big personality and big presence. But she was actually a pretty small woman based on that vest right. anyway. Well, they say people were smaller. Yeah. I don't know. Right? Like yeah. Emily Dickinson's dress. Yes. Teeny tiny. Teeny tiny. tiny. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. So that was cool. And it's open, the Beinecke is now open seven days a week to the public. Oh, that's cool. You can go in to the, you know, exhibit area and see. So I totally recommend if you're in the area to stop in and see what's going on there. Yeah, and just it's architecturally, it's a stunning building because it's made it really with this, this marble, right? Vermont marble, yeah. Yeah, and so on a sunny day, it's, you know, and I'm talking about the walls, the outer walls of the building are made with this. Yeah. You can kind of see through it. It's just a really cool spot. Yeah, it's like an amber glow, and yeah. they, they did that so that the books, because in the center, there's a five-story stack of books enclosed in glass, and then around is the exhibit space and, right. and the room for chairs and stuff. They do, you know, speaking things there. But the glow that comes in from that light is nice. And it obviously doesn't damage the books, right. which was kind of the whole point. Right. And I remember when I first saw a picture of the Beinecke Library, I remember thinking, like, oh, that is, like, so ugly and modern. Like, I can't believe Yale would have a yeah. library like that. It just didn't fit with my idea of library, right. Ivy League, Ivy and all that stuff. Exactly. Until the first time I stepped inside, I was like, oh, my God. Right. It is breathtaking. Yeah, it is. It is. And they have the, you know, Ivy League, Sterling Library. Yes, type with the thing. Gothic yeah. Yeah. And they have the elements that you expect. Yeah. 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 You know, that so, kind of yeah. 
vibe. So, right. but yeah, the Beinecke is gorgeous, and it's the outside too. It's a with these small cube looking tiles right of the the marble right that looks it looks all white from the outside but on the inside it's amber it's gorgeous yeah you so come to new haven and do a library tour yeah let us know we'll meet you yes that's right <laughs> so that was my one biblio adventure i've been kind of Nose to the ground, you stoned a bit. When, yeah. And when I've had free time, I have been kayaking or yes. floating in the water. Yeah, exactly. Like, Cooling off. Yeah. Standing has, in the shower, dreaming been, of, of cool weather. That has been all I've been doing. So I have sand embedded between my toes. <laughs> right on. <laughs> what about some upcoming adventures? I know we have a joint jaunt coming up on July 16th. We're going to head to Orchard House. Yes. We're going to hear Anne Boyd Rue talk about some uh, little, women. little women stuff. In her book, Meg, Joe, Beth, Amy, The Story of Little Women and Why It Still Matters is coming out in August. Yes. But um, she... I started it and I'm really liking it, but I did have to put it down because I need to read one of ours for the book club. Right. And then right. March for a read-along. Right. So that's going to be third on my list. Yeah. And if anyone's interested in looking, again, we'll put it in the show notes. There's a whole, what are they calling it? Something series. Conversational series, I think is Up what they're calling Orchard it. Up at Orchard House. Up at yeah. Orchard House that whole week of July 16th. As a matter of fact, I think it might start on Sunday the 15th. I mean, days upon days upon days yeah. of really interesting people. So we're going to go up. We're going to see Orchard House for the first time. Yep. Meet um, Anne and do a little recording with her. Yeah. So I'm Looking excited about that. that. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait. That's going to be totally an adventure. Yes. Join us. Yes. Yeah. Um, other things that I have coming up. Well, I have the book club, which is July 19th from 2 to 3 up at the book club bookstore and more in South Windsor. Right. That's my other jaunt coming up. And then I'm going to be going to Chicago, going back for a family wedding. Right. And I hope to make it to see uh, the new Gwendolyn Brooks statue that was unveiled oh, how a couple exciting. weeks ago. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. really cool. So oh, I hope to see that. And, and maybe, I don't know, I was, I've been thinking about what I wanted to do. I'll probably take a day to do that. And I'm thinking about maybe going to 57th Street Books, the... We'll see. Yeah. It's been a long time since I've been there. Do you think you'll make it to the American Writers Museum? Probably. Yeah. Yeah, Ugh, yeah I'll probably stop in. I'm jealous. They're open. I think they're open two seven days a week. Are they? Or they're open Mondays now for the summer. Okay. And closed on Tuesdays or something like that. I just saw a notice too that they've increased their hours okay. too, probably for summer. I'll go check it out because I think they also have like a Fred Frederick Douglass special display going on now. I'm okay. not 100 on that, so. Nice. Yeah. Well, there's also coming up is the Harry Potter 20th anniversary. And I talked about, and I, or did I talk about, yeah, I think I talked about it on one of our episodes around Book Expo in or around either when we were there or after that there's a whole new release of these really cool, all seven of the books. Yeah. Seven, yeah. Right? Selznick. With um, these really cool black and white anniversary covers. So... Um, I know, you know, I always get them confused, Savoy or Bank Square, or maybe both of them are doing a big anniversary celebration on July 31st. Very cool. That's so Harry I would Potter's birthday. To, yes, and <laughs> I would love to go because it's just always so fun to see kids show up with, you know, in gear, yeah. you know, with, um, wielding their wands, Absolutely. you know, ready to change the world. Yep. So That was my yeah. favorite thing when I was a bookseller was either the midnight release or the early mm-hmm. morning open yeah. and being the one that was handing out the books to people, yeah. the joy. And I, I'll never forget, I was a pretty new bookseller and I was doing it and this woman got three copies and I'm handing them to her, which she's probably like, you know, 60s, 70s. I was like, oh, this is great. Are you, you know, for your grandkids? Or she's like, oh, no. She's like, it's a copy for me and my sister and my mom. And we're going <laughs> to sit on the porch. Side by side. Side by side and read. That is I was like, that awesome. is so cool. Yeah. So yeah. It, even back from the early days, it wasn't just for kids. Adults really no. got into it yeah, as well. Yeah, definitely. I did. And yeah. But it was funny. I think I mentioned that I read the first two, I think, aloud to my kids. And then they got to an age where they were like, we're not waiting for you to get this read. <laughs> you know, we're, we probably didn't. Actually. I think I don't know if I ever bought more than one copy. I'm not sure about that, but we definitely probably fought over getting it read. You yeah. know, so yeah, I would get. I'd bring home a copy for Laura because she 
would rip through it. Yeah. And then I would eventually get to it. But yeah. she was she and was, is she was a the big rabid. Harry Potter fan. Yeah. Actually, when we first met, her tradition, well, no, she had a tradition with her friend Annette, who is now my friend Annette, of going to see a movie, whatever the kids' movie was, for Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. That's a great tradition. Isn't it? That. Right. Yeah. And uh, so the first year I was in the picture, Annette and Laura were like, I don't know, should we invite her? Should we not? <laughs> so the deal was I had to read the book before they'd allow me to go. So that's how I first read it, and then they let me go, and then I was in. And I see. Yeah. You, you were accepted into the club. You need yes. a special handshake. <laughs> had to read a book. And then we have a very exciting joint jaunt that's not until September. September 27th at 7 o'clock, we will be at Mohegan Sun in partnership with Bank Square Books for a historical fiction panel We've been told there will be four authors. Yes. There's not um, confirmation of those authors yet, but you can definitely check their website. We'll put that in the show notes. Keep your eye on their calendar. And when we see that they've got, you know, the ticket purchasing event all set up, we'll definitely let you know. We'll let but you know. The definitely mark the, your calendar, September 27th, 7 o'clock, Mohegan Sun. Mohegan Sun. And for those of you not in the area, Mohegan Sun is a big casino up in Uncasville, so that is in the southeast corner of Connecticut-ish. It's almost central, a little okay. south central. And it's a huge casino with a hotel. I, I mean, I think most... Do people know casinos usually involve hotels? I don't know. I would think so. I mean, I lived in Reno, yeah. so I'm... Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so casinos, it has great restaurants in there, tons of restaurants, tons of things to do. They have performances there. I know like Reba McIntyre was recently there. Um, and lots of big performers and basketball games sometimes too. Yeah, so come and on Thursday night events. and stay for the weekend. Yeah, it's totally fun. Yeah. It really is. There is stuff for the whole family there. And and actually, the, it was, I think, one of the first book events I went to when we moved here. They had a big, I can't remember what it was called, but Bank Square, I know, was the bookseller there on record. But it was a huge, like huge name author's with different breakout panels and oh, everything. Cool. It was quite the big event. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I mean, and Dr. Ruth was there. Who It was really neat to see her. Yeah, I'd love to see her. Because you hear her. You know, it's that thing, like with Anne and Michael from yeah. Books on the Nightstand. You hear somebody's voice yeah. for so long, and then you see yeah. them in person, and it's like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. that's actually the person. And that's the voice coming out right. of the person. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I'm really excited. So, and so, well, you know, as soon as we know the authors, too, we'll let you know, because we're obviously going to read the books. Yeah, so, totally. You know, yeah, yeah, I'm really excited about yeah. that. So what have you got in the upcoming reads category? I have a couple different things. I will be obviously reading March by Geraldine Brooks. Mm -hmm. Looking forward to that. And Meg Jo Beth Amy, The Story of Little Women and Why It Still Matters, and Boyd Rue. I think we both have those on our... Definitely do. Now, I just picked up at the library, I requested this, The World As It Is, A Memoir of the Obama White House by Ben Rhodes. Oh, yeah. I saw it advertised or saw an advertisement for it, and I clicked, and it looked good, and I also, you know, I just read that mystery with Obama and Biden, so mm. it's kind of fresh in my mind, so I reserved the large print Yes, you copy. did. <laughs> um, because on the regular copy, there was like a million holes, and there yeah. was no holds on this copy, and I thought... Well, that's cool. I mean, I could practically read that without my glasses. Large print books are a nice relief, actually. I like reading large print. And I heard the interview, Terry Gross did an interview with him on Fresh Air that was very good. So it does, it sounds like a very interesting book. I'm anxious to hear what you think of it. Yeah, I'm, uh, we'll see. I'm not 100% committed to reading it. Yeah. But it is in my hand at the moment. And that's the Resolute Desk. They're on the cover. It's a picture of... Obama and apparently Ben and the Resolute Desk. I know this. It's fresh in my mind because we just watched National Treasure, mm. <laughs> which I love. <laughs> love those movies. Um, also, I have this book that came in. It was a hold for me. Oh. It's called The Kiss, Intimacies from Writers, edited by Brian Turner. I have no, no memory of requesting this <laughs> at all. I, I like kissing. Yeah, it's, it's got a beautiful cover. Yeah. But Lots of lips. It doesn't seem like something I would request. Hmm. Uh, so, no idea why. So, since you got it out of the library and started flipping through it, nothing is familiar. 
about um, why you might have gotten I, it? No idea. I mean, I really don't know. I, there's tons of different writers in here. I can't even, like, dozens of different writers. No idea why. This happens to me all the time. I yeah. get books and I'm like, I have no idea I how guess I I was going to ask you, like, did we talk about this yeah. or something? No, not no? that I know of. My sister just texted me this morning and said, I'm listening to this book. I'm really enjoying it. Did you recommend it to me? (laughs) Yeah. You know, because we get these, that happens to me on my audio all the time. You know, it's like, you have an audio ready. Like, oh, I don't remember putting that on request, you know. So that's The Kiss by, uh, edited by Brian Turner anyway. I don't know if I'm going to read it, but it's in my hand. It just came out too in 2018. So it's a new book. Well, I have um, the two we already mentioned for our read-alongs for this summer. And then... I just got on um, on my new Libby app, Animal Vegetable Miracle by Barbara Kingsolver, which I had talked about reading. I have the hard copy. I don't know if you remember our first episode, I think, of the year or whenever we did our goals for the year. One of mine was to do audio and reads together. Right. And I think yeah. I've done one or two this year, but I haven't done it very successfully. So I'm going to definitely do it with this one. Great. Because I, I think I just saw her somewhere on social media say that she just finished the audio of the new book I just talked about that's coming out in the fall. So I think she did the audio of this as well. When I say did, I mean she narrated. Yeah. She did it. So Animal Vegetable Miracle by Barbara Kingsolver. I'm looking forward to it. Excellent. Yeah. That's all I got. All right. Well, we're going to, I guess, stop recording and open the windows. Yes. <laughs> Let you guys hear the birds. We shut the windows because there's, oh, an old hedgehog or something just yeah. ran away. Yeah. It's wild kingdom outside my house right now. There's a deer out in the marsh. There's um, osprey everywhere, and they're very loud. And I have, for the first time, I've lived here for three years, what's called a clapper rail bird that makes itself very well known at about 4.50 every morning. Nice. <laughs> so, so it's a little bit wild kingdom. So we thought we'd shut the windows while we record, but it's yeah. a little bit steamy. So it is steamy. So those are the, the birds. I don't yeah. know if they make, if you can hear them. But yeah. anyway, so until next time, everybody, happy, happy reading. reading. Thanks for listening to The Book Cougars with Chris Wallach and Emily Fine. To keep the bookish conversation going online, join our Goodreads group or connect with us on social media. If you'd like to contribute to our hunt for a good read, you can donate on Patreon. And if you have a minute to review us on whatever app you use to listen to us, we appreciate it. It can help other listeners find us. Thanks, everybody.